But all right. It is my distinct pleasure to bring somebody to the stage that this is his uh, inaugural Sunday morning time to speak. This guy has uh, made himself invaluable here at the church. He has been such a, a wonderful servant, such, a, such an encourager, and I just love this guy much, much, much. And because we are talking about Father's Day, Kenny has a real uh, unique perspective on being a father and having a father. So Kenny Lang, if you'll come up here to the stage, help me welcome him. Now I'm a little too animated for, for all that. So good morning, everybody. I already said good morning, but that feels like the right introduction. Um, yes, as he said, it is my first time on a Sunday to teach. And, and talking about it with uh, my friend, Pastor Reverend uh, Roger Sims, said, man, you, you feel like, a little like Eminem. You, you only got one chance or one opportunity Seize everything you ever wanted to capture it all or just let it slip. <laughs> Some of y'all get it. The rest of you, go look it up. Eight Mile. <laughs> Don't watch it with your kids. Um, first and foremost, I want to acknowledge all of the dads and fathers in the room. And let's give them a round of applause real quick. And I would be remiss if I did not also um, call attention to, to the single moms that are put in a position to serve as both roles as someone who is the, the kid of a single mom. Come on. There's a lot of weight that comes with being a dad. Amen? This country is in a, is in a huge, it, it leads the world we lead the world in many things, and this is one I wish we did not, is we lead the world in fatherlessness. We have a fatherless generation, that they are growing up without even knowing. 25% of kids will not even know who their father is in the U.S. That should break your heart. Now, 85% of, of the inmates in the U.S. make up that 25%. Do we see a pattern? There's a lack of identity that, that comes with not having a dad. There can be a lack of identity if, if you had a, a, an absentee or, or unfortunately a, an abusive father. Dads play such an important role and it is devalued in, in media and, and even by this generation because they don't even really know what a good dad looks like but they're hungry for it. So I want to tell you just a little bit about my story. Why am I up here? If, I, if Chris mentioned, if we're talking about Father's Day, I'm up here, I have a unique connection. Um, there, there's a lot of different places. You can see my shirt, um, and, and I'll help explain that just a little bit. Um, I was born on December 7th, 1941. Um, <laughs> no, that's not right. I, it's a lot of facial moisturizer. I'll let y'all know after the service where I get it. But I was born in Japan on a military base um, on December 7th. And un unfortunately, 
uh, shortly after I was born, my, my parents got divorced. My, my mom and I moved back to the States, and we lived with her parents, and, which was great. Uh, my grandfather was a pastor and a preacher, and I, and I attribute a lot of where I am today to, to him and his influence, um, both in person and just the, the legacy that he's left. But so I was the kid of a single mom for a while, so I get that. I get being from, you know, parents that got divorced. And the day after I turned three, my parents, my mom and, and the man who I called dad, is the only man I called dad, um, got married. And he decided, he didn't have to, but he, that man decided to adopt me and go through that process, which is lengthy and expensive. And my biological dad decided that he would release his rights because he thought that's what was best for me. And it was. I've had, a, I've had a great life. Doesn't mean I haven't experienced pain. Doesn't mean he and I haven't butted heads like a couple of rams on the side of a mountain for most of my life. Um, and uh, suddenly, when I, whenever I moved out, things got a lot better. It was the weirdest thing. But <clears throat> the wound of, though, of not having or knowing or seeing that, that the person who accounts for, for half of my DNA, though, there have been times when that has left a wound, and the only way I can really describe it is through the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <clears throat> if you are unfamiliar with what I am talking about, he, he was born in West Philadelphia, raised there, too, until he was 14, um, and, and, that, and on the playgrounds where he spent most of his days. Um, I could go through the whole song, and you're welcome to the rest of you who know it, because now you have an open loop in your head, and you might have an aneurysm because of it. But there is a scene in, in the show where Will is living with his, his well-off aunt and uncle, and um, his dad, his biological dad, shows back up. Now, at this point, Will's 15, 16 years old, and he starts making all these promises, and we're going to do this, do this, do this, and plans a trip with him. And Will is all packed up, and, and Will's packing up upstairs, and before he comes down, his dad, whose name is Lou, is talking to Uncle Phil and Aunt Vivian, and basically saying, like, look, I'm, I can't do this, I, I, I got to go, I'm not, I'm not going to stick around. And they're, and they're mad at him, and they're heartbroken for Will, because it's like, you've broken so many promises to him. Will comes down and his dad's like, I got to handle some business and, and, and a couple of weeks we're going to get together and we're going we're gonna to nail down these plans. We're going to figure it out. We'll touch base. And Will just looks at him and says, all right, goodbye, Lou. Doesn't call him dad. He's dissociating. And after that, I don't try to get through this without crying because it makes me cry every time. And I would show it here, except it would shut down our stream and um, I, I probably would get a few emails, so would Chris, because um, there's some, some passion, some anger and sadness and heartbreak expressed in this. And he tells them, he starts telling Uncle Phil, he's like, I've had 14 great birthdays without him. I learned how to drive a car without him. I learned how to shoot my first hoop without him. I learned how to, to go on a date and treat a woman without him. I don't need him. And as he's walking out of the room, Uncle Phil tries to stop him. Uncle Phil is just, just heartbroken for, for this boy that he considers like one of his sons. 
he stops him and he's like, Will. And he's like, you know what? I, I'm gonna have, I wanna marry a beautiful woman. I wanna have a lot of kids and there's nothing he can tell me about being a great dad. And you're like, yeah, that's absolutely right. And he stops and he looks at Uncle Phil and he says, how come he don't want me, man? How come he don't want me? How many of you, even if your dad was in your life, or maybe you've had a bad experience with a father, how many of you have said that out loud or internally, how come he don't want me? That is the orphan spirit coming on you. And I'm here to tell you that while physically, in the natural, maybe you were in a situation in, in which you could have been orphaned, you don't have to stay that way. I'm here to tell you that as someone who has been adopted and then got adopted by fathers in the faith, which I, I give honor to, to Corey, to Sam, to Chris, who have taken me in and, and taught me. I mean, it takes a village to raise me. I'm kind of wild. Um, I say it takes a village to raise an idiot. Um, but I'm thankful for men who stepped in Y'all understand, fatherhood is not just about like a, a, a physical, like I, I help make you and, and there's, a, there's a familial relation. You can have a relationship with someone who is a father figure. That's why like even if, if you are not a dad, you can still fill that role. I just cited you the statistic on how badly it's needed. So, Something to think about as that has come on you in one way, shape, or form is there's, there's a great quote um, by Father Richard Rohr that says, if you do not transform your pain, you will transfer it. We've got to get healthy. We've got to address the things. We've got to let the Holy Spirit show us what spirits were let sitting on us. And are we believing what that spirit says about us? Or are we believing what the Holy Spirit says about us? Amen? And so if we don't want to transfer it, we've got to be able to get into a place where we can identify those lies, those false identities, because the enemy, and we've talked about this in throne room, other services, the enemy is attacking the identity of God's people, of all humanity. We are lost as a, as a, as a culture on what's this and that, and what's this title and that label. People are, are tossed to and fro with people trying to label what you are and what you aren't, and you're in this group or that group and not this and not that. But we've got to hear what God has said about who we are and our identity. Unfortunately, the negatives, the false identity, the orphan identities are far more prevalent. But if we can identify them in ourselves and we can identify it in others and those around us, we can love ourselves as, as Pastor Corey was talking about how, how do we love ourselves and allow God to help us do that. We can also love others and we can come out into a true identity together. So, uh, there is a handout that's good. It's a good takeaway um, on the, the heart of an orphan versus the heart of a son or a daughter. Um, if, if you don't have one, there's probably some extras. If you prefer digital copy because you're living in the 21st century, um, then you can email me, Kenny, at nccTyler.org, and I will get you a copy um, this week or whenever you email me. And so the key premise that I want to talk about today is that we are designed to be adopted. 
For some of you, the notion of being adopted into the family of Christ is really painful or, or not appealing because you've been so hurt in your family or by your father. And I don't diminish that. I hate that. I, I understand my, my wife and I have to go through so many classes to understand trauma as, as foster parents. And so I want to see you healed, but I also want you to understand that what happened there isn't a reflection of who he is and what should be happening inside of the family of God, okay? So a couple of verses that kind of set the context around this is Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons or daughters through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to, pra- to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. He's predestined us. He wants us to praise him. There's grace for us in the adoption by allowing it, but he will never insist or force us. It is, any good relationship is bi-directional. I'm not married. Um, Last month, got to celebrate 13 years with my beautiful wife. And woo! Congratulate her more than me, maybe. Um, But we're not still married because we signed a piece of paper. And there's a contractual obligation for us to fulfill that by any means. It's because we both still want to be together. It's because we still both choose to be in that relationship. My kids, on the other hand, they're stuck with me. Um, Another one in Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's where that hunger comes from. When, When you see a kid's eyes, Heck, when you see a grown person's eyes and you see a hunger because they didn't have a dad who was around, a father figure, there's a hunger. Why? Because it's placed there by God and it's crying out, Abba, Father. And while our Heavenly Father is the only one who can truly fulfill that, we get to manifest that as, as men. I'm going to talk to you for just a second. Men, we get to manifest the love, the care, and compassion and answer the call and the hunger for Abba Father in this world, on this side of heaven. That's not something to weigh you down. That is a huge blessing that you get to step into and that you have already been fully equipped to do. There is not some qualification. If you were to look at qualifications, I would be down here, okay? But yet... I've been in a place where I can step into it for 21 children and counting, okay? And then there's more that are around here. I I see people who have been in our youth that we can step into, people like the bearded wonder, Mr. Ryan Bolin back there, um, that you can step into those places and love on them and show them the love of the Father, So I want to take you through three key identities, two of which are going to be uh, oriented around the orphan identity, one of which is going to be the true identity. And then I want to talk a little bit about how the church, us collectively, you know, we can say little c, NCC, uh, or big C, the global church, can step into that 
And also individually, if you're with someone that you start to recognize this, what they might need. So the first one is having no identity. No identity is also an orphan spirit because even from birth, Christ has already proclaimed who you are. So to believe otherwise is to not believe in your true identity. As someone with no identity, a lot of the common lies you're going to hear is, I'm too damaged, no one will ever want me or love me. And then you tend to be surrounded by other orphans who enforce that mindset. Hey, man, man, nobody cares about us. If we're going to get it, it's going to be us. We got we to just take care of each other because these dads, these parents, these older people, they don't know. They don't care. If you're hearing that sort of stuff, break out, all right? <laughs> you tend to be the sum of the people that you're around. Now, what are these people collectively as a church? They need us to be more like a hospital, okay? Pastor Sam talks about a hospital, hotel, and home, and you're going to hear those. Those people need a hospital. They need to be able to come in and get patched up. We can, we can address those things, get them healed, set them on a good path towards their true identity. But along the way, the enemy is going to try to snag them. Now, I think the next step that we go into, and I have a couple of verses here. Let's, let's go with the uh, Ephesians one, Eric. Um, but God, um, I actually had it in the wrong order, but, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Sounds pretty glim. Uh, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that among, so, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. These people need grace. The, the, the most simple, and, and I've heard it repeated, so it's not unique to me, but grace is getting what you didn't deserve. So people with no identity, there's nothing to tag on to. Those people need grace from, from you individually. They're going to need to receive some things from you freely, even if you feel like they don't deserve them. They're just wondering. They're not ready yet. The, whatever disqualification is in your mind. They need grace. Now, some people will move on to a false identity. This also equals orphan spirit. From the church, these people will need a hotel. Like one of those extended stay ones with a refrigerator that's not a mini fridge, but it's not a full fridge. Um, And those people need to stay for a little while longer. Some of their lies that you may hear come out of their mouth or, or they've made an agreement with. It's like, if I do fill in the blank, then I'll be accepted. Very conditional. If I follow all the rules, then I'll be accepted. Sounds a little like the older son in the prodigal son story, right? Why don't I look, act, and feel like everyone else? Something wrong with me. Something missing. I didn't get what everybody else got. 
And then they're isolated from those who love them or would challenge them the mask that they wear. This is one where I believe most people are stuck. And we'll call it something that is very palatable. We'll call it personality. You are not your personality. Okay? That is not your true self. Well, that's just the way I am. That, that's a really lazy way of saying, I have no care to grow <laughs> and be better and love people. And you, you're just stuck with it and, and got to accept it. I'm sorry, I'm going to call you out on that. It is, and it's also a mask. Now, is it totally wrong that that develops? No, we all do it. We needed to develop something in our childhood to allow us to survive, okay? But at some point, the mask's got to come off, all right? At some point, we mature, hopefully. Some point, there's something in your life that says, enough is enough, okay? And so these people actually need mercy because they're probably going to get on your nerves. Um, <laughs> now, I've been the recipient of much mercy, okay? Um, I, like I said, I can be a little wild. I can be just a little opinionated um, and, and brash. And, I've had, and mercy is the flip side of grace, which is not getting what you do deserve. I probably deserved some harsh words, some separation, some different things. And I didn't because people around me loved me. They loved the hell out of me. Amen? If you email Pastor Sam about that, if you had a problem with what I just said. Um, <laughs> so they need mercy, right? Now, am I saying that there, there's sort of a, a revolution in, in having personality tests as someone who studied psychology and I love personality tests? And they're, they're good, they, they can be good to bring a self-awareness, okay? These people typically aren't that self-aware because if you have an awareness of God but not awareness of you, then you're no different than the Pharisees. Somebody with no self-awareness but total knowledge of God is going to be, you might call them a Bible thumper. You might call them judgmental. They probably remind you of the reason why you stopped going to church for a little while, Okay? So knowledge of self is knowledge of God because God created you. And if you're in the image and likeness of God, then understanding yourself is to understand our God, right? Now, there are some good ones. There, you can go through them. But like for me personally, I've really gotten a lot out of a tool that's been popularized called the Enneagram, all right? And I'm not gonna have a debate with you about it, okay? So don't approach me after the service. But, because I'll win. But... <laughs> Humility is one of my best traits. But one of the things that I go through, through on that, and as I've listened to teachers, is, yes, this, this number, I'm an eight, by the way, if you can't guess, this number is not you. You are not a number. So even though this uh, unlocks some things for me that have allowed me to grow as a husband, as a father, as a brother, as a son, a, a, as a, a pastor, someone called to ministry, that isn't me. That doesn't define me. It helps give me a roadmap to some growth and some awareness of my unique wiring in Christ Jesus, but it's not the end. Now, the final one, the true identity, is that of an adopted child. I believe one of the greatest problems that we have as believers is not that we don't believe in the love of God enough or, or that we don't love God enough, is that we don't receive enough of his love. 
we disqualify ourselves from receiving the fullness of the love of God. And we, therefore, can't be as loving because you can't give out what you don't have. If you didn't receive love poured in, what are you going to pour out? It's going to be dusty, okay? You're going to have a dusty cup. Um, and that's going to be the only thing y'all remember is he said dusty cup, and it was kind of weird. Now, these people typically need a home. They're ready for a home. They can abide in a home. They have something that in, in psychology and, and, and trauma care uh, might be called a, a secure attachment style, right? They know where their home base is. And that allows them to go out in the world and they interact with the same things that everybody else does, but they're not beaten and broken. They're still in the battle because they know whose they are and they know where they belong, and they know what their identity actually is. Now, these people, you may notice, have a selfless attitude towards service. We have a core value here at the church, quick to serve. You might see those people that are quick to serve, those people are operating typically from a a place of being a son or a daughter. They're happy for others when they do well and succeed. That's a quick way to tell if you're living there or not because I've been guilty of it. It's like somebody else got something really good and awesome and I was mad. Why not me? Why'd they get the promotion? Why are they making this much money? Why, why, why did they have it so easy? How come they don't have all these people saying all this stuff about them? It's because I didn't know what Christ said about me and, or I didn't believe it. You'll, ha- you'll see a noticeable peace about them and the way that they walk and confront things. There's an atmosphere. There was a man that was here, um, you can call him an elder or whatever it was, but it was Brother Elsie. And I used to joke about the fact that I got nervous walking too close to him because I felt like I would bump into Jesus. Um, The atmosphere around that man was just different. They can be honest with you and you can be honest with them and it doesn't fracture the relationship. And they're not isolated. You see a bunch of isolated people? They're not really living from an identity as an adopted son or daughter. Now, these people, their need, they still have needs, because uh, we all do. They need encouragement, okay? Because just because you got to that place in one area of your life or for a season doesn't mean you're gonna stay there, okay? We're in a constant battle, all right? With the enemy, the world trying to tell us what, what to do, who we are. Like, just because we believe it one day doesn't mean you don't believe something else the next day. It can be tough. These people need encouragement. That's, that's why Paul said, forsake not the, the gathering to, uh, of yourselves together in Christ Jesus. That's why he says, Uh, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Healing comes through confession so we can be healed, so we can encourage. That's why we gather on Wednesdays and Sundays um, and holidays and days without me. Sorry, I've been listening to some Brian Regan lately with my kids and that just got stuck in my head. But they need encouragement. That's why you need to ask sincerely, how are you doing? And and if, if things are going well, celebrate, encourage them. If they're not, help them lift their head up. I'm gonna give you a couple of quick verses. So Eric, try to keep up. (laughs) For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. But exhort, which is a cool word for uh, encourage, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Days ending in Y. 
that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see that? Encouragement keeps a, a soft and a tender heart. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. We are made that we, we used to say we, we were creating community here. We are made for relationship with one another. That's how we enter in sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. Okay. Again, it's the family of Christ. Extend that out. And that is what we're here to do at the end of the day. It's not to host services and, and classes and all of that stuff. At the end of the day, we are to love God and love others. And we are attempting to do that. But part of it is you've got to get vulnerable enough to allow God and another person to love you. There was a... Um, a great quote, I think it was from a marriage um, curriculum or something like that, but it said to, um, you're going to love this quote, to the degree that you are known is to the degree that you can be loved. How well do the people around you really know you? Because that's the depth, that's the cap on how much they can love you. If you want more love, be more known. Now, I, I, I have a, a little story to wrap up sort of in my story um, about how my wife and I got into fostering um, about four and a half, almost five years ago now. Uh, I told, I've been asking people to do finger guns from the stage and nobody will do it, so I wanted to have some fun with it. Um, thank you for indulging me and this will be my last message. <laughs> but one day... Um, on my, my wife picked up our, our kids from elementary school. Um, our oldest, Isaac, who's now 12, he was, he was seven. He said, Mom, could we foster or adopt a kid? Really weird thing for a seven-year-old to say. And, and my wife, being full of wisdom and not just dismissing it or, or shooting off something like, yeah, sure, whatever, she digs into it and says, yeah, but why, why do you ask? I said, because there are kids who don't have a good home. And maybe if they come and live with us, they'll understand that they can make bad choices and still be loved. That's the agape, uh, unconditional, unfailing love of God from the mouth of a seven-year-old. Which I was like, well, he can't be more knowledgeable. Like, if he gets it, I better get it, right? And so I was like, Becca, we need to go to a class. We need to figure this out. Like, Isaac can't do better than me, okay? Gotta assert my dominance, that's why don't let your kids win in anything. Like, make them earn it, okay? That's a free PSA. And we went into it just wanting to adopt one, then maybe two, and we could have, you can only have up to six kids in your home. We have three biological. And at some point along the way, we got the, the blessing that is our now adopted son, Tony. Who, yeah, Amen. There was something different about him. He came in, and within the first week, he and, and, and our little girl, Selah, said, like, we're twins. The only thing different is our eye color. And I'm like, uh, you're a little white girl. He's a, he's a Hispanic boy. There's a few more differences, okay? But we've now stepped into this and had 18 kids in four and a half years come through our home. And, and I'm not going to stop. There are 400,000 
closing in on half a million kids in foster care in the U.S. alone. And so when we were singing uh, Reckless Love, and I meant to say this at the top, but I want to bring the spirit of that reckless love. There is no shadow that, that he won't light up, but I'm going to bring that. I am going to light up the dark places. I am going to kick in doors so that I can love kids that are in hard places. Why? Because that's how you change the next generation. Okay? And that's how we can still change who we are because we got to be transformed, right? So we don't transfer our pain. Break that orphan spirit in you so that you don't impart it to them. Okay? And so we all get a different mantle and a thing to carry, and I'm starting to yell, so the spirit of Pastor Chris is on me. But that is what I want to bring. That's what I bring to this body. That is what I'm here to do. So if you ever talk to me and I'm lit up and I am on, I'm going mock Jesus with my hair on fire, it's because I love you. I love this church. I love our kids. And, and there is a fight and I'm built for it. And so are you. You have been equipped. You are not alone. Link arms. Dads, you don't have to do this alone. Find other dads. If you happen to be married, wives, you have such an important role to play in the kind of dad your husband becomes. I would not be the dad I am today if my wife, Rebecca, was not just steadfastly telling me, hey, pull that back. You're a little intense. You're going to burn their eyebrows. Like, bring it back. I am who I am today because God partnered me so well. And that's the same for you. You all have an impact. Nobody is left out. You are a son and a daughter, no matter if you're five years old, 55, 105. Don't start looking around. Um, But you all have a part to play in loving one another into our true identities, into our true self and who God called us to be. That orphan spirit doesn't have to exist. You can cancel that agreement, all right? It may have been assigned to you. It may have been passed down to you, but you can say no more. It stops here and it will not go any further. And as someone who even this morning, I'm dealing with that and, and, and I'm thankful for, for my brother Christian, who's been like my little brother for forever, is praying over me. I still recognize how much of the orphan spirit is on me because I thought, who am I to get up here and say any of this to any of you? I have so many failings and failures in my life. Some public, some not. Don't look at me like you don't have the same, all right? But that orphan spirit wants to come on me and believe I'm not, I'm not worth anything. I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything to share and wants to push me back into how come he don't want me, man? So today, I wanna ask all the dads to stand up. If you are a father... If you are, there's a couple of things. One, prayer team, if you would come forward. If we had, I don't know, all of our shepherds are on vacation. Um, they're praying from long distances and beaches. Um, but if, if you are near a dad, reach over, pray for them, okay? We're gonna have a time of prayer for them. If you're somebody who feels like I'm dealing with that orphan spirit, okay? 
You can be male or female, and you still need that, and you want to come forward, we're going to pray with you. We're going to break that orphan spirit, okay? We're going to agree and, sh- and connect our faith to break that off in Jesus' name. All right, so if you are not near a dad, find one, okay? I'm, I'm commanding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Politely asking. I want to pray for dads. If there's anybody who wanted breaking off of the orphan spirit, we can come forward. We, we'll, we'll figure out some, some prayer or you just receive it from, from the front here. But Heavenly Father, I thank you for fathers. I thank you that you are the perfect father. I thank you that you point us to you through our earthly fathers, no matter what kind of dad we are or what kind of dad we had, it all points to you. Either it was a great model and example of the love of Christ or the need for the love of Christ in our life. Lord, you can redeem any story. And right now, Lord, I call all of these stories redeemed in Jesus' name. Lord, I call the orphan spirit done. We cancel that agreement in Jesus' name. If, if that orphan spirit is on you, say no more. No more. You have no authority here. You have no place here. We are done I am a son or daughter of Christ Jesus, and I am under his lordship. I am his kid, and and as such, I am under his protection. Thank you, Father.